every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Hello and welcome back to the Blunderground Railroad, where we are bringing you from ignorance into knowledge in our own crazy way. And we're doing this in Notes from Underground, Dostoevsky, Chapter 6, Steve. Yep. Continuing Ooh. on with this confusing book. That's Chapter 6. Well, this is kind of a short chapter, you know, and it's um, it's got a singular theme. I was happy to turn the page and only see half of one left. <laughs> do you do that? Do you flip through the pages and see how long I'm not going to lie, I didn't. I cheated. You, che- you cheated. You che- yeah. Well, I don't know if it's cheating. You just want to know what you're getting yourself into, you know? Yeah. Because, like, you get that, you know, you, you you know, it's a hot day and you're kind of sweating it out. So you go, man, do, do I need to sweat this out? You go, you go, if that's, you go, ooh, five pages. I'm, I'm good, right? I read inside, but I still check. Oh, man. So, <laughs> yeah, you get, get those long ones, right? Those, like, 17 pages. You know, your brain starts to sweat it out. Yeah, yeah. Chapter seven was. Oh, chapter seven. One we'll step forward and two steps back. Well, <laughs> we're gonna figure it out. Hey, you know we gotta. We have to. It's all we have to do is just figure out all the human existence in one chapter. So that's pretty good. Yeah, not a big deal. Yeah, we'll try to wrap that up in a half hour podcast. Yeah, it's not like today is is any uh, small. <laughs> it's not like today is any small uh, any small issue. Uh, today we're we're talking about identity. All right, so and that's the big word these days. So. In this year, uh, in this modern age, identity is all about identity. And the underground man, whoa, boy, he sees identity. So in the previous chapter, uh, do you remember like, uh, with primary causes, primary causes, and secondary causes? No, my notes may, though. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do. They probably do. The man of action has a primary cause, uh, justice, right? We talked about justice, and, and really it's objective. It's an objective truth. It's God, um, uh, and it's, it's having an objective truth. Uh, but for the underground man, he's always questioning that primary cause. There is no primary cause. And so for him, uh, and I, I think just to review the end of uh, the previous podcast, uh, really we looked at that word spite, you know, because that's how the whole book starts, right? I'm a spiteful man. And so we can see at the end of the book that the underground man, spite can be a replacement for an objective truth. Um, but even then, you know, you're known to be spiteful, right? So the underground man is known to be spiteful. So is that really being known for anything? And that's where we see in chapter number six, uh, the underground man, he, he, he says, hey, y- you can be known for not being or you can be known for being. And so for the underground man, it's laziness. You know, he says, I can be a lazy bones. So I can be a lazy bones and I can be known as a lazy bones. That's actually pretty good for the underground man. He can be known as a lazy bones. I think he chose that because his brain had run through every other viable option and left him with, hey, what about nothing? What about what about nothing and and sitting back and uh, and and drinking right? He always talks about drinking and he says, well, he wants to uh, he wants to drink. Yeah, and, and this reminded me of something too. 
is that movie Office Space, uh, when the main character is kind of losing his mind at his job, and you know he's hypnotized, and so he does all this crazy stuff while he's hypnotized, and he's got that neighbor, and his neighbor comes over, and he's not the best counselor, and he tells his neighbor, you know, I would do nothing if I had a million dollars, nothing. And the neighbor goes, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing. Look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do, well, nothing. <laughs> and again, you know, it's funny. But that's actually an interesting point, you know, because he always says he wants to drink to, is it truth and beauty? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to skip ahead, but I think we see that in, in chapter seven where he tries to be blissfully ignorant. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that's some heavy stuff for Chapter 7 for sure. Yeah, and, and also in Chapter 5, uh, it does wrap up with... He has sort of a, um attitude of... Like, he tries to be carefree about everything. Yeah. Like, he wants to live in this state of blissful ignorance. But then he ends up, like, feeling guilty about it. Like, he his conscience just can't let him get to a state of doing nothing. He's like, oh, I just got to... I got to deal with it. Like, he, he just can't let himself be... He just can't let himself be, I guess. Right. Well, again, and this is what we see in Chapter 6 with the laziness, right? Right. Like, to let himself be lazy. Mm-hmm. Because in order for him to be lazy, he actually has to have a reason for being lazy. Uh, and this goes back to the primary to, to the primary cause. Even if you're lazy and you're not going to do anything, you still have to have a reason for it. If you're going to be spiteful, you know, if you're going to be spiteful, uh, and I think this is where the spite comes in because at the end of chapter five, he's talking about the the object of the spite. Sometimes it, it becomes no longer relevant. And sometimes it, it's just so abstract that, you know, it, it, it would, that's pounding your fist against the wall, you know, with your toothache. So you, you have yeah. this toothache and just the pain is so abstract that uh, the spite from it, that you're just going to pound the wall because... Um, because it's just spite. It's an, it's like an elevated form of spite. Uh, and that seems to be the underground man's only real object in his life. Yeah, he says, spite, of course, might have overcome everything, all my doubts. So he he actually points to it as like, maybe that's all I got. Maybe, maybe that's the only thing that's going to cure me here. Right, right. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And so in, in chapter number six, it really becomes, it's like a, a question of being, you know, and, and that's one thing about this book is people have pointed out to this book as, as being an existentialist document. And, and really, that's that's what we see with the existentialist philosophers. Existentialism uh, is the quest for being, all right, for purpose and, and, and for defining your own existence, right? So to define your existence. And so this is where the underground man is saying, Hey, I'll define my own existence. But can he, though? Because is he able to do it, or is it a life of self-deception? He's trying to deceive himself, that's for sure. But I think he's so inward-looking that he he knows that. He knows it's just a deception. This is really just a a longer, protracted, um, distracting thought, I think. You know, like when he's talking about searching for the sublime and beautiful. Because even that, even the being a sluggard and, and searching for sublime and beautiful, he sure. takes that to the extreme. He talks of, he talks about not just wanting to do that and then just leave it alone. Yeah. He's like, I want to do that. And then he wants to be, like, good at it. He wants to excel at doing nothing. 
Right, right. And to be praiseful. Well, and this is, I think it's very interesting because two things that come to mind. Number one is, you notice in the book how like uh, uh, you got the beauty. It says beauty and then all this. It's always in quotation marks. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, like it's almost like the underground man because he's talking to the reader. He always says in the book like, oh, dear reader, you're probably laughing right now. Right? Yeah. It's like he's intent on letting the reader know that, listen, you know, and, and I guess it's that modern word that we see, you know, that people talk about deconstruction, right? Deconstruct, deconstruct. So he's saying to the reader, hey, listen, this beauty, like, this is, like, we're just going to deconstruct it. You know, like, I don't really believe it's beauty. Like, he's overthinking it, too. He's just saying that, oh, I'm mocking this beauty. I'm going to drink to it, but I'm going to mock it. Like, he doesn't really believe this beautiful at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so again, it's like, you know, and then he says, he even says it in the book, he says, I would find that the, the he says, he calls it useless and trash, trashy, right? He says, yeah, I would find the trashiest piece of art, you know, and then I would, I would say, oh, look at the beauty. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. The look. nastiest, unquestionable trash. That's right. That's like, whoa. Right. right, whoa. Like the nastiest trash, and he wants to find beauty. And I also thought it was really interesting how he says, he wants to tear down everyone who disagrees with him, right? Yeah, yeah, that comes later, I think, in the chapter. Yeah, yeah, that's the last paragraph of the chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, you know, he wants to live at ease, and he he says he should die with dignity. Uh, why it, uh, why it is charming, perfectly charming. Yeah. And then he talks about and what a good round belly I should have grown. Right. And what a treble chin I should have established. What a ruby nose I should have colored for myself, so that everyone would have said. Looking at me, here is an asset. So he just wanted to be something. He's like, you know what? If I was just that fat, jolly guy, yeah. at least everybody would know me as like, hey, that's the fat, jolly guy like that. And I think he never saw himself as any, as defined as anything. Because early on in the book, his career, remember, was kind of already set up for him oh, as that's a judge. Right. That's right. That's a good point. So like, he never really got to choose you know, a path of his own. So he's kind of just been existing. That's you know, true. Forced along in life. And at 40 years old, which is where he is now. That's right. Um, it's not polite, to live, not polite to live after 40. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose nothing would be polite after 40 if that's the way you've been living your life the whole time. Right, I guess. That's the least violent thing you could do is write this book. <laughs> <laughs> If this has been 100 years later, well, this would be a whole different news story. Right, there you go. True enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wouldn't just want some Red Robin and uh, write a book. It would be a little different. But, right, you bet. Um, but, yeah, no, he he just wants to, to be somebody because all these people around him he's been seeing his whole life, no matter what their identity was, it was their identity. They got to choose their path, and that's, I think what he's jealous of here. Yeah, I think he's, again, it's kind of overthinking, you know? It's like, uh, he like, see, we say it's overthinking. The over, the underground man himself would say that he is the man of consciousness, so he sees more than other people see. Mm-hmm. I found it fascinating here in the book. He says, I should claim respect for doing so. I should persecute anyone who would not show me respect, mm-hmm. right? So I should persecute anyone who would, shot, who would show me respect. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting, okay? So there's like two aspects of identity. And, and I think this we see this so much in the current day. Like, wow, I mean, it's everywhere. Once you see it, you'll never unsee it. Oh, yeah. Personal identity and social identity, mm-hmm. right? 
personal identity, what you say about yourself. Who do you think you are? You got it, man. <laughs> you got it. You got it. And then there's this other insidious monster, right? And that's this social identity, which is you must acknowledge my feeling and my own identity about it. Or my own, my own, you must acknowledge my identity or my, and my feelings about it, or it's an act of violence. <laughs> right. I mean, we see this now. Like, well, that's a new extreme. Yes, it is. And it's brand new extreme. And so I guess I do kind of get ultra, kind of fringy. But I think we see this throughout the, the, the 20th century growing as we see this, the, this growing um, aspect that people want to be validated, not only internally, but externally as well. Well, I think the first normal was the one where you, where you said first, right? Yeah. The, who who or, do they think they are? Personal identity. But, and, then, and then we went to the extreme, which is now they, all of a sudden in today's society, it's become a thing where it's acceptable to not only, it's acceptable to demand that somebody else validates who you are. Right. Whereas what it was before, the alternative to the former was who are you to other people yeah and now how you reacted to that that kind of determined how your day went because you are yeah. who you are to other people no different than the underground man right he, he was a judge yeah i guarantee people looked at him and was just like yeah he's just a judge they don't have any idea he goes home and writes crazy stuff like this or has all these thoughts in his head yeah you just are who you are and if you just step outside that for just a quick second you could realize that, hey, I look at all these other people, and they may have problems too, and mm. this all goes on today, except we've added that other awesome layer where you suddenly now have to validate everybody else's feelings, and if they want to identify as a tree, well, you better see them as a tree. Right, right. And you better know what flavor of tree they are. Well, a lot of it really is, is it's feelings versus, you know, is, is your identity and then your feelings about the identity. So yeah. it's like what comes first, yeah. right? Like Christians find their identity in Christ. And right. so we say, well, my, I have my identity in Christ. Yeah. And so then you would say, okay, well, that's your identity. Well, what does that mean? What does it look like? And then you say, okay, well, it means that, you know, you have certain behaviors and you'll have certain feelings and certain things you want to be able to conform to that. So you're conforming to a standard or you're experiencing a standard. Yeah. Um, so uh, even outside of that, if you, you have a certain identity, you have, uh, you may want to, you may want to conform to that identity. And what we have now is, you know, I think Carl Truman calls it, uh, uh, expressive individualism, or I think it was, um, uh, I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah, you have. It's a buzz term now, especially yeah. today. Yeah, especially today. Yeah. I don't think it was Truman, actually. Truman's got the book, and we'll read it, and we'll have that for you guys uh, here soon enough. But um, yeah, we're going to check out that book for sure. Um, but um, I believe it was uh, I believe it was Charles Taylor who originally coined the, coined the phrase. Uh, I think it was. Uh, and again, we're going to hit that too, a secular age. That'll be a fun one. So uh, we were talking about big books, I think, before we went we went live. And we were talking about long books. And so uh, you'll get a big kick out of that one. I love it when people coin phrases and then all of a sudden, you know, weather has been a big thing in the last few years. Like like a weatherman will say, like, some crazy term that, like, only weathermen have ever used. It's been oh, yeah. in existence for 80 years. Right, right, right. now right. everybody's like, oh, bombogenesis. Oh, yeah. Remember that when that came through? <laughs> that's right. That's it's, it's the exact same storm right. that's been happening since, like, 1930s. That's right, the microcyclone. But some weatherman slipped up. And right. I, every other weatherman hates that weatherman. 
<laughs> like, great. That's awesome. That's right. Now everyone has to use it, and they're yeah. all stuck with it for the rest well, of the That's how lives. When I was in Iraq, that's how it was with Mista. I was like, if we ever find the person that taught Iraqis to say Mista, <laughs> we are going to hunt you down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mista, Mista, football. Mista, candy, chocolate. <laughs> it's like, oh, you wrecked our language. Right. <laughs> that's how the weathermen must feel. Man. It's, it's a new term, like every three years with them, too. Every, every <laughs> new term, every time, right? Every time. So this expressive as expressive individualism, you know, we see that people have these feelings. So the feelings become the object. That's why people can identify one day it's a tree, and the next day it's a furry, and then the next day it's something else. And so it's the feelings. You see, the feelings is that's the objective. So people say, okay, well, today I feel this way. And so... um you know, and that's why people say to not acknowledge my identity is violence because it's the feeling that they believe is the objective. I don't even have time for an identity. How do people have time to think about what they feel? I mean, I just maybe it's because I got six kids, but I just got to roll with it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Right. Sure. When I get out of here and I go yeah. deal with my, I have no idea what I'm walking into. Right. I am not concerned with what flavor of tree I am. Right. Like at all. Right. Even if I wanted to be, I couldn't. Sure. I think there's a lot of factors that come into that. I mean, one would be, uh, you know, I think one would be the nature of existentialism itself. I mean, the existentialist philosophers would say that it, it comes down to distraction. So what you're talking about is distraction. And then as soon as you sit down and you have time on your hands and to, to think about things, you're going to start thinking about the nature of your existence. Everybody would. Can you back up real quick and just explain to the listeners, you said time on your hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to define that. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, oh, to have time on your hands. I have yeah, no yeah, right. clue what you're talking about. Right, and so there you go. So, I mean, I, I think I refer to it as, as just distraction, but I, I don't necessarily think it is. I think that once you, you should stay busy, and then it's good to stay busy. Um, but, uh, like, you know, uh, Tolstoy is one that talks about this, you know, that people distract themselves from the question, you know, of what happens when you die, or um, what is the nature of my existence? Why am I here? You know, why am I here? You know, what is the purpose of life and what, what's going to happen to me when I die? You know, uh, what is the purpose of doing what I do and, and who am I? So people who sit around, they think about these things. They're, they're going to think about these things eventually. And so, um, you know, we do have in our modern society, we have the breakdown of the family. Um, you know, uh, actually, I should go back further. I mean, it goes to psychoanalysis, you know, Freud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, replacing, teaching people to go inward. And we'll look at this, too. We'll look at uh, Secular Age by, uh, 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 I think, um, is a great book. And we're going to we're gonna read that one. Um, you're going to love it, Steve. It's like, just, oh, yeah. Oh, man, yeah, it's one of them old dictionaries that's, Ooh, you know, man. from the library. Oh, you're going to love it. It's got to sit on, like, a reinforced table. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. You're going to love it. It's, can't wait to go. It's funny that you t- you talk about like the the negative ages or whatever. That is literally the last sentence of the, the chapter. He says, "And say what you like. It is very agreeable to hear such remarks about oneself in this negative age." And what he was referring to is being something, even if it's totally obscure and irrelevant. It's so nice to hear that yeah. you are something. Yeah. Because it it's doing what it's validating. It's 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 validating who you are via someone else. The exact same thing that insecure people are doing every single day. Boy. Blame it on what you want. Blame it. People blame it on magazines, right? Like, sure. You hear that all the time. Oh, girls are insecure because of the magazines that are out today. Right, sure. What? 
What? Yeah. No. I I'm not buying that. I don't care. Yeah. Just like I'm not I'm not buying, okay, uh that the whole gay thing. Yeah. Okay, I How do I I don't know. I don't know how to put this up being offensive. I I know I hear you. I, it's not it's and that's really it's I mean, but that's really, it comes down to, listen, I mean. It doesn't, I don't care how fashionable it becomes. Yeah, I know. I cannot make myself gay. If yeah. I'm the last straight person on earth, hey, more women for me. Right. I, what? Well, the really interesting thing about it is, you know, I think the interesting thing about it is if you look, um, I think it's it's over, it's over 50%. I think it's pretty high. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but. A large majority of um, of professing uh, bisexual and lesbian girls don't have sex with other girls. They just choose not to. But they'll say, well, I'm bi. But they say, well, I, I don't have sex with girls. Or they'll, they might say, well, I had sex with a girl four years ago, but in the past four years I've had zero sexual experiences with a girl. And with guys, this happens too. This is less common with guys. But there are a lot of guys who will claim celibacy, but then they'll claim that they're gay. And so these are... These are people who, like, for example, if you're a guy, you are looking for social acceptance and you don't have a way to, there's no in club. There's no way for you to gain that. And so you feel so isolated and you feel, you feel so confused and you feel so, you feel, you feel so, so lonely, so disconnected that you, you have this ready-made identity group that, you have this ready-made identity group that is, you don't even have to, you know, it's not about the sex. I mean, I think that's one thing Like with you and I, like we're old enough that we think back to it. I mean, we think, wow, you know, like it's a sexual thing. And it is for a lot of people, but still for these young people, it doesn't have to be. They have this identity and it doesn't even involve the sex or not in the way that you and I think about it. That is the last straw I'm grasping onto. Okay, I, I will be the last kid picked, not last kid. Yeah. Right. Okay, I just yeah, won't yeah. be. Yeah. Right, <laughs> okay. right, right, right. There's no way ever. Yeah. I don't care how. I'll go hang out in the corner of the cafeteria. Remember the ones that wear all the goth stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. Be with them. They don't care. They they love everybody. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was always the go-to. I didn't, there was no gay group. I, not that I would have gone there. Yeah, right. You know, right? I wasn't very popular in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 I just hung out with myself, really. Yeah. Um, because I think oh, I thought they were weirdos too over in the corner. They, the goths. I don't know. I was like, yeah, yeah. I don't really want to dress like that. And be frankly honest with you, yeah, it's a lot of metal on your clothes. It looks uncomfortable, and uh, yeah. it's probably more expensive than I can afford because I'm poor. Well, you know, so. it's a lot. I mean, you can you can bounce around theories, and 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 I think that a lot of what we do. I mean, I want to go through a lot of these books because everyone's got people. A lot of people have a lot of great things to say, um, you know. And I, I, a lot of people have a lot of great things to say, um, you know. And you can you can spread the theories from one end to the other. I, I think a lot of it has to do with it's hard. People have lost a lot of sense of. You know, with the nuclear family and 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 your progeny, and you know, putting yourself forward. You know, when you have a kid, you know, when you have a kid, it's, it's something beyond yourself. You know, and so you're everything comes becomes about that. You know, and it, it's very difficult. You have a lot of a lot of you know people that get raised. You know, single parent homes. You know, you got you know you got 
people that don't understand each other, you know, moms that don't understand sons, dads that don't understand daughters. Yeah, but just in and of itself, having a kid doesn't uh, cause everyone to look inward and come to some sort of uh, huge aha moment where they change. That's certainly not every single person's experience. Sure. Uh, I can tell you from growing up. <laughs> okay, yeah. That uh, one of my parents didn't have that aha moment. Oof. Um, yeah, see, so and this is a tough thing, you know. I think the underground man could, I don't know, I guess it's a 50-50. Maybe he'd benefit from a child, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I, mean, I think you're probably right. I, he needs yeah, something else to focus person. on. He's got too much time to think. He does. He does. And I think that's a modern problem, honestly. I mean, I do. I think it's a modern problem. You know, we live we live lives of, we live lives of, of uh, you know, like kings. I mean, we live probably better. We pro- probably live, but we, you and I probably live better than the president of Russia at the time the book was written. Oh, I guarantee it. I, so, yeah, I guarantee it. I think yeah, about that stuff all the time. All the time. We, we eat better food. We eat more consistently. We have, yeah. we have better health. We have better experience. We have better access to you know, better air, better sanitation. I mean, look what we're sitting here doing right now. Yeah, right, no doubt. This is, even this is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no no question about it. Yeah. You know, so in our modern age, how do we deal with that? And then, again, back to the existentialist, how do we deal with that problem? And, and because everybody, you know, everybody's going to experience this. Everybody needs to say, who am I? That's mm-hmm. personal, a personal identification. And then what, you know, and then how does that relate to the outside world? You know, and so, because I can always say that I identify as a tree. But if everybody calls me crazy, then I can just become, I mean, I become like a cave dweller for a couple of years. And then I come out of it, and I'm okay. You know, that's just called teenagers, right? And then that's just, what, <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of what uh, what ha- happened to a lot of people that we knew when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, there just seems to be this, I mean, it just, it seems to be this, this whole, in if I can identify with something internally, then mm-hmm. the external identification is a natural flow from that. Yeah, you know? and the underground man seems to actually kind of you know foresee this here in this chapter. He, he's kind of he kind of just comes to assume that this is exactly how it's going to go, uh, and you know, and it's it's just making making your individual view of yourself to be real in the world you know the underground man he, he overthinks in his little basement there you know in his little mm-hmm. apartment right but he wants it to be real i mean he keeps talking to the people that are reading and he says well you know to us uh, to, to to you know and he, he groups them in you know to us who are the people of superior consciousness to us we are the people who can we, we can never be satisfied with a primary cause uh you know and he, he, he talks about it this way it's like He's desperately trying to push it out into the world in a way to make it real, you know. And, and, and he plays himself as a victim. We see that also today, you know, people looking at themselves as a victim, uh, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. And, and again, that's just like another form of, of, of attention, of validation. It's a form of pushing out what you have into the world, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, when I, was, when I was a kid, I, uh, I worried a lot about what people thought about me. And I actually would ask people all the time, like, what, so what do you think about me? Like, like, yeah. what, what, what would you change about me? Like, how do I be, how do I be more like you? Which was really me going, how do I be like how I see you? And people would always just tell me, just, just be yourself. Just act normal. Just be yourself. Right. 
And I always thought I had to try to put on some persona. And I don't know what changed it, to be totally honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think I just got tired of trying. And I was like, whatever, it's going to yeah. be me. Right. And all of a sudden, I went from being bullied to, I don't know, my wife thinks I'm a bully now, I guess. I, Whatever. Uh, but it's oh. but I'm not. It's I, I'm I couldn't be honestly like I'm I'm the nicest person you could possibly hope to meet. At least I think so. Right. And and you know what? You know what's nice now. If you don't think so, I to a point I really don't care. Yeah. I'll adjust. Right. You know. I'll right. try not to offend you as best I can. Sure. Sure. But I'm going to tell you the truth mm. because in the end, that's what I actually think. Yeah. We have too many people these days who hide behind a facade on Facebook. Or whatever, and you know what? Oh, yeah, I, right. I feel bad for those people. I really do. Yeah, that that they whatever they think they are, they are not comfortable sharing that with the world. Mm. That's because it's going to come out eventually. Well, I think a lot of it though is it, it, a lot of it is circular, and a lot of it is distraction. You know, is that you can't like again. You know, and I bring it back to Tolstoy a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. you can't like what he discovered. You can't avoid the question i mean you can't you can you know he talks about uh tolstoy talks about uh like uh, you know in being the chasm i think he's talking about buddhism i'm I'm, i would have to go back and take a look at it but he talks about in the chasm and you're hanging by you're hanging by this uh uh, branch and you're holding on to the branch and the branch is going to break and the chasm is dark like you're going it's like the blackness so Mm -hmm. it's really bad you're in a bad situation right Mm -hmm. And so he talks about this, and then he says, like, he goes, okay, you're sitting there, and you're thinking about it, and you're like, well, this is a really bad situation, and what do I do? Because there's no way out. And then he, and it's funny, because he says, oh, you look, and then there's like a, there's a little lick of honey, you know, that's in front of you. And so he talks about, like, licking the honey. He goes, well, you look down, you see the chasm, and you go, well, I'll lick the honey. And you look at, oh, that's sweet, you know. And then you're thinking, oh, yeah, this branch is going to break. And you go, okay, well, I'll lick the honey, you know. And so it kind of comes down to when the honey is gone, you know, really. I mean, because you can always lick the honey until, you know, either the branch breaks and you die. Like you could die in a car accident. Like I could, I could, we could be done the podcast and I could be gone in, in, I could be gone in 10 minutes, you know. So the branch could break or you could finish the honey and then you could be at the end of your life and you could have to face the reality, which you quite frankly had to face the whole time, except you had the honey to, distract you Mm -hmm. and and so you know we have this and so a lot of people a lot of people this is not this is not a normal thing in the world okay it's not a it's not a usual thing in the world people you know to get together i mean you know you have like you know you could be hey bring in like you tuco you could bring in your you could bring in your tuco sergio leone you know there are two kinds of people in the world my friend you know there are the people who are on facebook and then there are the people who you know swing hammers and build, uh, you know, recording studios and sit around and talk about the nature of existence. So, you know, not everybody can handle this. And so for these people like on Facebook, what's the alternative? I mean, what's the alternative? They're going to sit in a recliner with you and they're going to say, oh, hey, you know, by the way, let's talk about the nature of existence and like why we do what we do. And (laughs) there's no answer, right? Now for people, for us, for us, it's a straightforward thing, right? I mean, we, I mean, we're, we're believers in Jesus Christ. I mean, right? We're believers in Jesus as Lord, and so, um, and so, I, there is an objective for us, and uh, and as hard as it is, uh, and as inadequate as we are, uh, you know, we have a God that builds the bridge, uh, and so there's that uh, for us. But for a lot of people, and there's that there, there, there isn't. Well, that's and, why they're tossed. They're tossed. You know, 
around because they, they don't have a cornerstone like Christians do. We yeah. have a cornerstone that we, no matter how crazy our life gets, right. we have something we always come back to because it's an immovable truth. Yes, right. No, absolutely. Amen. I, and so I think that, no, and I, I agree completely. A lot of people, they don't have this. But what they do is is they have this, there's always the distraction. Everything becomes like a distraction. They have, you know, the the, the validation. You know, the, I think these days it's the dopamine hit, right? People always say yeah. that, you know, yeah. the dopamine. It's the lick of honey, right? So everyone's got the lick of honey. So mm-hmm. call it a dopamine hit. Call it val- systems of validation, right? Um, you know, call it call it a like, call it a share, uh, you know, call it a, uh, um, you know, call it a, uh, call it a virtue signal, right? Yeah. Those are all yeah. things, right? So all those things that we mentioned, those are all like the lick from the honey, mm-hmm. and you can fill your life with that, right? You can fill your life with that because really, I mean, a lot of it is it's too much to bear, you know. I mean, really, a lot of it's too much to bear, you know, to say, okay, well, you know. Um, you know, you bring someone right to the edge of the cliff where they can see it, you know, um, and it's hard for people. I mean, it can be hard for people to have to sit there and to bear it all, um, you know. And, and so what we see, I think, in, in, in the book and in, with the underground man, we don't see someone who can't bear it. We don't see someone who is someone who is shut off from that reality. I mean, what we see is, I mean, really is, is denial. And, and that's what we have, I think, in, in our day. Uh, I think that's where we're going. I really do. I mean, in the next five years, um, and it's going to get wild because you're going to have the black hats and the white hats. You're going to have people that don't believe and the people that do. And you're going to have subjective valuation of truth and objective valuation of truth. And you're going to have a lot of denial on both sides. And it's going to get ugly. And so, and I think that's kind of the premise of what we do, or at least what I show up. I mean, I mean, so, um, you know, maybe for you it's all champagne and lollipops, but for me, <laughs> I, I can see it. And, and so I need to talk about it and work it through because that is where we're going. Um, but and that's where I love the, the underground man and, 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 and notes from Blunderground because we see that's the people. They are deniers. They they. Do not believe they're not going to go there. They 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 look at a primary source like the underground man looks at the primary source. They're going to deconstruct it. They're going to they're 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 not going to accept it. They're going to deny it, and um and and, and so they're, they're going to have their own structures. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is it's structures of, you know, they're they're going to have their own structures and and. It's not that you can't create the structure. I mean, I'm sure, like someone like Sam Harris would tell you that you can. Um, um, you know, a Hegel. You know, if you look at the, if you if you go back and you look at Hegel's philosophies, but they all ha- lead to an end. They all lead to a place. Mm-hmm. And so Dostoevsky is saying here that this is where it leads. That's where it goes. That's where it leads. And uh, so, you know, really, where does it go? It is the idea. This idea of personal ID identification, social identification. And really, I mean, I think in our modern day, it's what you and I are saying, right? Distraction, likes, shares, virtue signals. I mean, it's all there, you know. Yeah, promotions at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And identification, right? And ident- I and and you know, we have um, you know, identity culture, right? And all these things like we were talking before 
uh, all these things take time and there's only so many hours in a day you're right only so many hours in your life but uh as it pertains to being a christian um i mean all i can say is honestly he found me yeah he found me okay, i i can say i accepted him but that's it mm. that's that's all i did yeah you know i was given the choice right that was it yep um cuz i sure wasn't out you know right looking to become a christian right not at all i had a i had a christian squad leader for an entire year yeah. in iraq amen telling me about jesus christ that's great and i was just absolutely deaf <laughs> i look back and i'm like yeah I, like it just bounced off of me, man. Yeah. Because I, you know, I was like, oh, I gotta call home. Oh, what's my check coming up? What am right. I gonna get? What bills is the wife paying at home? Sure. I mean, a million things. Yeah. There are so many things are. that are leading people away, or at least keeping people away from finding the Lord. Mm-hmm. I guarantee, on Saturday mornings, when I knock on people's door, yeah, and I want to talk to them about the Lord. Yeah, they are doing something else. That yeah, to them is much more important. It's true. Even though every single person on earth, every single person has thought about what happens when I die. I wonder. Right now, where that goes from there in their head, I have no idea. Right. Every single person has wondered it. Yep. It's sort of a big question. Yep. Absolutely. But nobody has the time to get it settled because. The second half of Price is Right is DVR'd, and i got to get to that. Right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. But that's where we're at. And then when Price is Right's over, we got to get to Real Housewives. That's right. And after that, the post office is going to close soon. I mean, my goodness. Society is just gone today. And then after all that, you know, you're worried about whether or not people believe you're a tree. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a wonder anybody comes to Christ these days. You know, and it's a it's a lot of it though. It's it's such a larger. It, it it is. It really is a culture war. I'm a big believer in the culture war. And I, maybe the way that it looks to me or the way that I express it is not necessarily correct, but I, I really do see it because you know if you go to school, okay, you go in a classroom, and in the classroom you have the pride flag, right? I mean, this happens. I mean, this is a real thing. Oh, yeah. It happens in the town that we live in. It happens all over, right? Yeah. And like the pride fight. The pri- it's funny. People will say, well, it's grooming. And they're right, it is. Oh, yeah. But here's where people miss the point, right? It's not that people say, well, you're trying to teach my son to be gay. Really, honestly, I mean, it's really much worse. It, what, the, the pride flag, when teachers get on, they say, and they say we're going to have, uh, we're going to pledge allegiance to the pride flag, right? They are, okay, everybody lives with, Everybody lives with some version of a truth, okay, around like a situational truth, okay? Now, it can be, like you and I were just talking about having faith in Jesus. Everybody, if you grow up in a family, right, the family becomes, it means what you know, right? I mean, with the way that, what, what does dad do in the home? How is mom in the home? You know, how about your relatives? How about their experiences and what they share? Everybody has this value. It's just truth. And so everybody has that, right? Well, you take, the, you take that away, and you start to have this sense of abstract isolation and loneliness, right? And then you, add, you, 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 and you take a look at the 20th century, and then you're going to bring in um, you know, all the psychoanalysts and all the critical theorists, and everyone's telling you to look inside, look inside yourself. When you go into a classroom and everyone is saying, you go into, you know, I, I mean, Hey, I got a microphone right here, right? Like, I believe the children are future, right? 
Treat them well and let them lead the way, right? Show them all the beauty that is there inside. It's, it's social condition. Right? Get a sense of pride or whatever it is. I mean, I forget the song. But, you know, so we've been at this for a really long time. So you go into a classroom and you got a pride flag there. You yeah. pledge allegiance to the pride flag. You're saying to people, hey, listen, you got your family baloney, all right? Like, you don't need any of that stuff, all right? Like, you don't need it. It doesn't exist. Not real. It, you're gone. You need to find yourself inside yourself. You know, like, oh, see all these colors? You got one of these inside of you, and it don't matter if it's furry. It don't matter. You know, like, hey, you don't want to throw your junk where it don't belong? Don't worry about it, man, right? You can still be a tree. You can do whatever you want. And then, you know, and you can have that inside of you. And then let me tell you about, like, all these other people, right? Like, they don't see it. And so then that's the problem, you know? And so the pride flag is that objective. Like, well, you know, well, I think I'm a tree. Well, why do you think you're a tree? Well, the pride flag told you, I'll look inside myself, you know? And if you don't like it, then you're not. And so it creates all this confusion and it's looking inside of yourself. And um, again, it's, it's, it's this way of look inside yourself, personal identification, you know, um, uh, to not validate me is violence social validation and then obviously wokeness and all this and then that's where it all comes in yeah it it just goes down a big old shoot from there Ooh, man how are we gonna figure this out man right it's a good thing we got chapter seven coming up chapter seven's deep <laughs> oh man we're bringing uh we're bringing it all we're bringing the shovels the hammers the pitchforks and everything yep yeah, yeah, right. No, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, eventually this is all going to come into, uh, you know, like a kind of a utopian thinking, and 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 boy, the underground man, he's not going to let us off easy on this one. Yeah, no, it certainly doesn't seem like it, but uh, I guess that's where we'll pick it up in the next chapter, and uh, we will see you guys then. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time.